Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, and there's only so many of these left. It's the Baltimore Orioles 5, the Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and uh, this, this might have been the worst game the Guardians played all season. But let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of this game. And, uh, I mean... The storyline, the big storyline, is Tristan McKenzie made his return to the mound at Progressive Field. The same top, you know, storyline that we had a few days ago with Shane Bieber making his return. And while Bieber was rusty but serviceable, Tristan McKenzie was rusty and not ready. I, he just did not seem uh, like he should have been out there. Let's be honest. It was, it was nice that he was pain free. That is the biggest positive. And remember, at this point in the season, all we're doing is just looking for positives at this point. You, you cannot read too much into this. In fact, I'm going to outlaw any more discussion about uh, Cam Gallagher and Miles Straw playing time uh, from the emailers. Because it's just, at this point in the season, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the fr- decisions Francona is making with the lineup because he's not, he's retiring. We're going to have a whole new manager in here, a whole new coaching staff probably to go with it, and a whole new philosophy on the lineup. So we're, we're, we're past that point, okay? When we were still in contention, yeah, we would be having those conversations. But we're eliminated. It's over. We just got to look at the positives here. And the positive is that Tristan McKenzie was pain-free after the start. Um, one of our emailers, I believe it was, uh, Marlon was wondering if, uh, they're going to shut him down or maybe he might, you know, make a bull cameo out of the bullpen or something like that. I can see them giving him one more start. What would it be? The finale, maybe in Detroit. I could see them giving him one more start just to throw pitches, just to, you know, see if he can hit 60 pitches. And uh, continue, maybe, you know, you don't want to leave with this taste in your mouth. So maybe uh, give him one more chance to pitch. Maybe do a little better than six walks. It's clear that, yeah, if, if this were if this were the middle of the season and we were actually, you know, fighting for something and battling for something, I don't think Tristan McKenzie would have been here. I think Bieber would have. I think Bieber's earned that. I think with McKenzie, they would have taken more time. Uh, stretched him out a little more, let him do this in Columbus or Akron where not a lot of us are going to see him. I know some of you are very dialed into what happens down there, but I just, you know, being honest, a lot of us wouldn't see that. And uh, he can make his adjustments from there. Instead, he's doing this, you know, at the major league level on right on our TVs. And unfortunately, we all see it and we make judgments. We do. It's human. But uh, I think... I think we all need to take it easy on McKenzie and uh, give him time, give him time to find it again at the major league level. There's so much that goes into pitching, right? We all know this release point and grip and extension and all the mechanics, the balance, the weight, you know, the weight transfer. It's, there's so much that goes into pitching. Uh, You, you, you you can't expect someone who hasn't pitched in a few months in what he made like two rehab starts to be able to pitch at a major league level. It's just it's un it's unreasonable to expect that. 
So McKenzie's final line on the day, one and two-thirds innings pitched, one hit, three earned runs, six walks, no strikeouts on 52 pitches. He's hard hit four times. So going over to the illustrator here, well, he was he was having trouble getting the fastball down. It was sailing on him. There were some that were close. There were some that were close uh, at the top of the strike zone, but they were they were up above the strike zone. Uh, Baltimore hitters were right to lay off them. Um, he did get a, He did manage to get some in the strike zone. Uh, the velocity wasn't really there. I mean, some of these pitches are under ninety miles per hour. Uh, uh, that one was 91.791. All right. So he's in the, like around 91 when he's getting into the zone. There was one I saw, where did it go? That was 80. I thought I saw one that was 80, maybe 89. Um, maybe I was looking at the exit velocity. Uh, who knows? But then the curveball didn't really have a feel for the curveball. Didn't even try through two sliders. So didn't really try anything off speed. Uh, the curveball was mostly missing the zone. Um, yeah, so, uh, didn't have a feel for that off-speed stuff and couldn't get that fastball down into the strike zone, and it, it turns into six walks. Uh, I, I don't think it's, I don't think we should read too much into this player breakdown page other than the dip in velocity. Now, he did max out at 94, so he was able to touch something on that fastball. I was right. There was a fastball at 89.4 was his minimum. So he averages 91.6. It's um, 1.3 miles per hour less than his yearly average, which he hasn't pitched that much this year. Uh, What did he do? Let's see. What was that fastball sitting at last year for Tristan McKenzie? Because that might be a better... Uh, judgment of just how far he's got to go. And again, it, it could be mechanics. It could just be conditioning, right? If he can't, if he's rehabbing from injury and he can't do the same workout, uh, then yeah, his strength might be a little down. His velocity might be a little down. Uh, so last year, well, it was actually slower. It was 92.5 was the uh, average velocity on his fastball. This year, it's 92.9. Um 92.1 in 2021 and 92.8 in 2020. So he's always been around 92 miles per hour average velocity with that fastball. All right. All right. So, um, yeah. So, like I said, there's not too much we can read from his player breakdown page. Um, the fastball was the one that they hit when they did put it in play. They averaged 97.8. So, I mean, they were just kind of sitting there waiting for him to bring that fastball down into the strike zone. Um it's, he had three whiffs on the day, uh, five called strikes on the fastball, but that's it. Uh, so the curveball, like we said, wasn't really effective for him. Um, no called strikes on the curveball. Uh, one whiff on it. So, yeah. I, I Again, I don't want to do a whole podcast where we just beat up on Tristan McKenzie. Uh, he mentioned in the postgame how he, you know, he had his own frustrations with how the day went. But uh, ultimately, his arm felt okay. And that's the key here. Now, on the other side of things, the offense did him absolutely no favors. They couldn't get anything going. They couldn't really get back into this game. Kyle Gibson pitched very well against us. He went seven innings, only gave up five hits, an earned run, a walk, and four strikeouts on 95 pitches. He was hard hit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times and mostly by uh, Jose Ramirez and Cole Calhoun. Although Calhoun didn't have a hit to show for it, they each had three hard hit balls. Uh, 
to their name. Now, Ramirez did. Ramirez had three hits on the day, including hitting one off of Kyle Gibson for a single in the first inning. He has a double in the fourth and is able to come around and score on a Calhoun uh, ground out. Uh, some of those hard hit balls, 99.6 mile per hour ground out is still just a ground out. So, I mean, Ramirez was giving it the all. He would single late in the game. Uh, was it his next at bat where he would draw, he would single in the sixth inning before uh, flying out in the to end the eighth, uh, hitting one decently out there to right field, trying to go opposite way as a right-handed hitter. Uh, but it's an easy fly out, out there to right. So uh, Ramirez was putting in the work today offensively, but nobody else. I mean, my God, David Fry did have a double. You know, he gets the start at catcher uh, with Bo Naylor still nursing his injury. Uh, so he was the only other extra base hit on the day, but I mean, my God, it's just not enough. It's just not enough offense. They made Kyle Gibson look too good. And, uh, going over to his player breakdown page, uh, again, not a high whiff rate, only a 20% whiff rate, only a 28% CSW. Uh, in fact, it wasn't even that weak a contact. They averaged 89.9 mile per hour exit velocity velocity off him uh yeah they just could not find base hits on this one so uh, this was it was a struggle to get through because they they didn't give you much hope uh they went 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position but they only left four guys on base I mean they weren't even drawing walks Ramon Laureano was the only one to draw a walk uh besides Ramirez he's the only one on base multiple times uh there's just a lot of offers in this lineup and uh it was it's a maddening, frustrating day offensively. Now, on the other side of things, Baltimore did things different than they've done it the first three games of the series. If you remember, it was all the top of the order, right? It was all Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rushman, Anthony Santander, the whole series. Santander's just driving in runs like crazy. Well, those guys don't score at all. In fact, they kept them, aside from walks, they kept Henderson and Santander off base. Adley Rushman had, was on base four times, including two doubles and two uh, walks, but he doesn't score a run. No one can drive him in. Instead, all five runs are scored by the bottom of the lineup. Uh, Kajurstad and Hicks, who uh, split the day at DH, both score a run. And then Cedric Mullins in the seven hole, Westberg in the eighth hole, and Jorge Mateo in the ninth hole all come across the score. So a few RBIs for the top of the order. But uh, all the runs were being scored by the bottom of the order, which is a big difference uh, from Baltimore. So they they did get contributions from top to bottom in this game. Uh, they're a good team. They're a good team. They're going to win the AL East, okay? So the fact that we split the series with them, the fact that we won the season series against them, it's actually kind of impressive. Uh, we weren't as big a spoilers as we thought we were going to be. They they now sit after this win, I believe, two and a half games above Tampa Bay, which at this point in the season, with however many games they have left, uh, probably four, uh, probably five or six, um, two and a half games is quite the lead uh, to work with there. So uh, they're able to kind of bounce back from those first two losses and uh, gain a little bit more ground, a little separation in the division, but. We played them strong, and Marlon points out in his email, because Marlon is good at doing this research, that overall the Guardians went 16-16 and against the AL East this season. Maybe they should move to the AL East, he says, instead of staying in the AL Central. After all, they looked better against them than the teams in their own division. 
Here are the Guardians' records versus AL East teams this season. Yankees 2-4. Damn Yankees. Red Sox 3-3. Three three. Blue Jays 4-3. and three. Orioles 4-3. and three. And against the Rays, the Guardians were 3-3. Three and three. So, yeah. Uh, it is interesting that we're, you know, play that strong against uh, the Baltimore Orioles and the rest of the AL East. And yet, against the American League Central, man, we had our struggles this year. Uh, you got to protect your division. You got to win in your division if you want to win the division. Um, so, yeah, so all, all around a pretty strong game from the Baltimore Orioles, uh, even though they really didn't have to do that much with McKenzie walking in runs there in the second inning. Uh, Gibson has been okay for them, but in no ways is Gibson like a great starter or anything like that. His percentile rankings, there's a lot of blue stuff in there. He doesn't throw many walks. He's in the 70th percentile for walk percentage. Uh, he gets a lot of ground balls, uh, 81%, 81st percentile for ground ball rate. Uh, let's see, how many ground ball outs did he make on this one? Uh, eight ground ball outs to four fly outs. So a decent amount of ground ball outs in this one for Kyle Gibson. But look at the 35-year-old journeyman at this point. He's never really been an ace, but he's won a lot of games this season. In fact, he's won the most games this season that he's won his entire career. He's now 15-9 and nine on the season, but he's got a 486 ERA, which is pretty much in line with his 11-year career. He uh, owns a career 456 ERA. So a longtime st- starter for Minnesota. Um, all-star in 2021, uh, pitching for, uh, Philadelphia and Texas. Um, yeah, uh, he, uh, he's getting the wins. Uh, some of the advanced metrics might not say he's doing that great, but at 35 years old, I'm sure he's happy just out there getting wins. The guy, I was looking at Baltimore's roster and a guy who would probably pitch game one for them might be Kyle Bradish, and he's the one starter that we didn't uh, have to face. Of all the starters on their staff, he has the highest ERA plus at 138. He's 11-7 on the season, but with a 301 ERA uh, and a 1.07 whip. So of all their starters, uh, he, he might be their ace. I don't know. It's harder to kind of consider who the ace of uh, Baltimore staff is. I'm, I'm sure if he asked their podcasters and their beat writers, they'd have an answer for you. But it'll be interesting to see who starts uh, a game one for them when they make the playoffs. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so uh, we we got lucky that we actually missed Bradish in a four-game set. He's pitching the next game for them. So, yeah, a, a very disappointing game. Uh, let's go over to the emailers. Let's them jump in here. Uh, Marlon says, hi, Davey, another day, another anemic offensive performance. Once again, there weren't any adjustments made. Thanks, Valeka. The difference between today and yesterday, the pitching was much worse. Shout out to Jose Ramirez for his three-hit performance. Hopefully, he will take home MVP for the day. You know what? Let's just get it out of the way. There was nobody else who was really making that effort. There were a few good defensive plays. Uh, apparently, the entire right side of our infield all uh, ate their Wheaties this morning because they were all hopping up and stealing line drives. Both Jimenez and Calhoun had good defensive plays, but Jose Ramirez was the only one who had uh, you know consistently competitive at bats and uh, you know three hits on the day. He's he's creeping up against to Josh Naylor for the team lead in OPS at the end of the season. It'll be interesting. Ramirez is now up at 836. Naylor, after going 0 for 4 on the day, is at 
three. So they're separated there by seven points in OPS. So it'll be interesting to see who finishes. Naylor will finish the season uh, probably with the better batting average. He's over 300, where Ramirez is at 281. Naylor is at 307. But the battle for OPS, which is the more important number if you want to really study these guys and know what kind of hitters they are. Uh, yeah, the, Ramirez could close that gap uh, before this thing is over. So, yes, Marlon, I agree. He is MVP on the day. Uh, he said it was nice to see Stefan pitch well in a low-leverage situation, um, but I wondered if McKenzie was truly ready to return. Uh, so we talked about this already. Uh, hopefully someone will relate to him what Underwood said about Bob Feller having a rough outing and allowing six walks. I did not hear that. So I'm not exactly sure what Marlon's referencing, but it doesn't shock me that Underwood spent part of the broadcast uh, digging into the archives of Cleveland you know, legends and Cleveland lore to find a, a, someone who also had a six-walk outing. Even the greatest pitchers have bad starts, he said. I'll be curious to see if they shut him down the rest of the season. I, I hope not, Marlon. I hope he goes one more time. Uh, he says, I saw Cleveland added Logan Allen to the 60-day IL, which ends his season and sent Michael Kelly to Columbus. Logan Allen did a great job and exceeded all our expectations. He deserves a nice break, and I look forward to seeing what improvements he makes next year. I want to see Joey Cantillo called up to make an appearance or two. This bullpen can use another fresh arm that could give them a few more innings as the season wraps up. Honestly, Marlon, I would be shocked. I would be shocked if they call up someone like Cantillo at this point. It seems like they're pretty much just phoning it in at this point with with whoever is with whoever is here. I I don't think they're gonna make a move like that, and uh, they'd probably want someone like Cantillo to start fresh next year and see what he's got. Um, work him through camp, you know, with the major league team and see what he's got. I I don't know. I would be shocked. They just, they seem like they've, you know, they've taken their, te- it's, you know, remember in school after you took your test for the year and then you still had like those four days left in the school year and you just, you just phoned it in. That's, you watched movies in class. That's, that's kind of what it feels like from the Guardians right now. They're just like, let's, please, let's just wrap this thing up so we can go focus on next year. Speaking of that, Bob from Highland Heights, his email, he says, one run says it all. Uh, Columbus also lost uh, today to close out their season. He says, I would play Rokio the last week of the season at shortstop. Yeah, the reason they sent Rokio down, it felt like, was so that him and Arias could play every day, right? If one of them has to play at shortstop and Columbus and one has to play in Cleveland, at least they were both getting at bats and both playing every day. I, Rokio has kind of uh, handled AAA pitching. He's, he's kind of proven he can do it. Uh, he started out hot here and then cooled off. So it would be interesting to see if they give Rokio a few more at-bats, and especially knowing Arias is nursing uh, his little injury there. Uh, Bob says radical roster changes must be coming. Happy to see Fry hit one off the wall. I don't know, Bob. Radical roster changes? I don't see it. This this team's too young, and they have too much invested in young players. I don't see radical roster changes coming. I mean, we could do this as an experiment as we head into the offseason here, and maybe in an October episode. But I, I got to say, maybe I, five to six starting spots on this field are pretty much a lock for me 
going into next season. And it'll be who they add to that. Those two, three spots that they add to that uh, is going to make or break this offseason and, you know, make or break the future direction of this club, of this franchise. They could very easily just bounce back next year with the right additions. With the right additions, they absolutely could take it to the Minnesota Twins. I think our young core has a much brighter future than anything Minnesota's got right now. Maybe aside from that third baseman, right? Right, Royce Lewis? That dude murders us. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I still think we, we've got... Maybe it's just because I'm around these names all the time and I hear these names all the time. But I just I think there's so many bright, young, possible stars uh, in this organization. Will we find a manager and a coaching staff next year that can bring out the best in these offensive players? That is that is almost more key than the power hitter we could possibly sign to play, say, right field. More important than that is finding the coaching staff that can unlock some of these hitters. They that can turn uh Gabriel Arias into the exit velocity monster that we all hope he can be. That's going to be super, super key. So, I mean, we were able to do it with Naylor somehow. Or maybe it's just Naylor. Maybe Naylor was able to do it for Naylor. But uh, we got to get it going for the rest of these guys. So, I appreciate the email, Bob. I'm just not sure I agree with radical roster changes must be coming. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, They did not give us a lot to work with in this episode. But I appreciate you taking the time to check in and talk some baseball with me. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I I was half in and half out of this game. It wasn't the Browns. It, it wasn't football that kept me away from this game. I, you know, you you all know I have a young son at home, and uh, I, trying to help him fall asleep for his nap, I happened to fall asleep in his chair. So that that's what got me. It wasn't it wasn't football that got me. It was helping my helping my son take a nap, uh, knocked me out for a few innings too. But uh, we, you know, we got, we got to defend this Ohio cup. All right. All right. Let's get serious for a minute here. We got to finish off this Ohio cup series here. The Cincinnati Reds, you all know how serious I take this Ohio cup. It might be the most coveted trophy in all of sports. So, uh, let's go out there. Let's finish off the, uh, in-state rivalry here with our friends down in Cincinnati. You're going to have Giolito going against Green uh, on Tuesday, which means our next podcast episode will be Wednesday morning. Um, and then uh, we got Abbott going against Bieber. Bieber's going to get another start here against Cincinnati. So uh, there's definitely some things to be excited about for these final two home games. All right. you get, uh, The final again uh, from Cleveland, it's the uh, Orioles 5, the uh, Guardians 1, although the Guardians do win the season series. You can follow me on Twitter at David Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Bob and Marlon have been great, have been consistent. I'm still curious. There's still people out there that I know. I know there's morning people out there that uh, just haven't sent in an email yet. So I'm, I'm so curious to hear your thoughts. Uh you mystery listeners out there. So if you want to join the conversation here at the end of the season, uh, give me if you want to give me season wrap-up thoughts or anything like that, we can discuss them on the show. Uh, so thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.